Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 24th. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, We Agnostics. We will be starting at page 48, the last full paragraph, beginning with everybody nowadays. Today's readers, in the order they will be reading, are Michelle, Judy B., Carol P., Sharon, and Fran. The share number for Monday, October 22nd, we don't have a share number for yesterday because the meeting was unable to be held given technical difficulties. So our share code for Monday, October 22nd is 3208. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive eating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie to read the 12 steps, please. Anne-Marie, are you there? Sorry, Victoria, I forgot to unmute. This is Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Go ahead, please. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive leaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Nicole, would you please read the 12 traditions? Hi, Victoria. Sure. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems or of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at a level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Nicole. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does not request that your sharing be this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. C to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. D, today we resume our study of the big book. Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 48, the last full paragraph on that page beginning 
everybody nowadays believes in. Michelle, would you please begin reading? Yes, thank you, Victoria. Good morning, Victoria, and everyone on A Vision for You. Um, This is Michelle, a recovered and grateful um, compulsive overeater. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, shall I read the first illustration? Yes. Okay. The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence right there, our perverse streak comes to surface, and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no guide to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, meaning nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Well, there's a lot in this in these two paragraphs, and and this is an illustration of the sentence that says that, you know, that the material world, um, looking at the material world, the outward appearances are not inward reality at all. And so the illustration is that this steel girder, something that seems impenetrable, is made up of these very tiny particles that um, we're told are called electrons. And we're told by scientists that they roll around at this really incredible speed and they make up this huge mass. And so Bill goes from there um, saying, well, we, you know, look, look inward in this uh, material world. So he says, here's a perfectly logical assumption, and it's suggested to us that underneath this material world in life that there's this all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. But here it is. It says right there, right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface. And um, here's an example showing, um, showing us that we're being taught by these um, recovered 100 people what it was like for them. Um, they had this same perverse streak that I've got. And I looked up the word perverse, and there's a couple definitions. The first one said showing a deliberate and obstinate, there's that word obstinate, we had it on the other page, meaning stubborn, desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. And the second definition was contrary to the accepted or expected standard or practice. So the expected standard or practice in these 12 steps, um, as they're telling us in the beginning of this chapter, is that I've got a problem, and the problem is I'm powerless, and the solution is I need to find a power. And so contrary to um, standard practice, which is these 12 steps, this is what I need, um, you know, I have some handicaps. It tells me on the um, page top of 48, so I have a handicap of being obstinate, sensitive, um, and um, this unreasoning prejudice, these, these, this my way of thinking. And here it comes out in this perverse streak, 
soon as um, it's mentioned to me that let's look a little deeper. You, you go ahead and accept what the scientists tell me um, about the material world, but what about my own life? Um, don't I need need some direction and guiding? Um, why is it so hard for me to believe that there's an all-powerful creative intelligence? This is exactly what I need. Instead, I'm going to go to wordy books and indulge in windy arguments. And, you know, they're, they're telling us their experience because they want us they want me to learn from from their experience what happened, and um, and they're talking about how it, this on the um, page 48 how this can be a tedious process, and we hope that no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were, and these prejudices are roadblocks for me, preventing me from finding this power, embracing this power that is my solution, and you know when I came into program in in um, July of 2005. I, I heard the words that I needed a power greater than myself, um, but I didn't embrace them. It took me a while. It took me till 2010 um, to, to really surrender, to beat in, be beaten into this state of reasonableness where, yes, indeed, I could look and see that, you know, I would. why would I go to the bookstore and look at numerous books um, with credentials of what I thought were scientists with the MDs and the PhDs behind their name and pick up a book and it, and, it, and it had the promise of weight loss, I didn't have any proof. Um, I would look on the back and look at maybe find a face of the person or the author, and the title sounded good. I'd open it up, and um, I would in, you know, look at all these wordy books looking for proof otherwise when it was right here in front of me all the time in these 12 steps. And so um, I'm, I'm being taught in these pages, please don't take as long as some of the rest of us. Don't take as long as, as it took me. Um, to be able to let go of my prejudices and my thinking. I needed to change my thinking. And they're telling me, if you're willing to see that and believe that these electrons um, make up this mass and it looks a lot different on the um, outside than what it is on the inside, uh, there's, there's, there's a difference to this life of mine, too. It may look different on the inside, and that's that spiritual life I wasn't willing to embrace for many years. So they're, they're pleading and saying, Here's our handicap. Does it look like this is what's going on with you? Yes, that's what went on with me. Um, so grateful that um, there were people here that were patient and um, that I kept coming back and I kept becoming, um, all I needed to do was become willing. And doesn't it promise me that I'm 47? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, I'm being assured by recovered people that I am on my way. Thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Who else would like to share on what was just read? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, here uh, I love this part of the book as they begin to describe me. You know, they begin to describe me. And, you know, thank you so much for getting us started this way because when I look at that part of page, the top of page 48, we found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Ouch! Ouch! You know, these were the things that described me. You know, but did I want to hear that I was obstinate or overly sensitive or unreasonable or prejudiced? I did not. 
because I, I thought that I was very open-minded. But the truth is, the facts were staring me in the face. I might be one of those individuals who's a stickler for facts and results, but the facts were staring me in the face. The disease had beat me into a state of reasonableness where I could look at these things and I could say, can I come to believe that there is an all-powerful creative intelligence? Can I come to believe that? Because I had spent years trying to find an outward solution to an inward problem. And here it was being described for me, to me, by those in whom the problem had been solved. You know, they cracked open this big book and showed me that they too had undergone similar transformations in thinking, that their thinking had been transformed, that they had been like me, restless, irritable, and discontented, that they had been like me, victim of this disease, and powerless over it. But here was the solution. Here was the solution. And there was good evidence for this solution because they were standing in front of me, eyes shining, with transformed lives and transformed thinking. And I had the evidence that I needed right there in front of me, if I would have it, if I would have it. You know, and those logical parts of my brain that wanted proof of everything began to entertain the idea that there were many things which there was no proof, but I believed it anyway. I believed it anyway. And so here I could come to believe as well. You know, outward appearances are not inward reality at all. God was the ultimate reality, the immediate reality, and there for me if I would have it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to share on what was read? This is Paula, may I share? Yes, Paula. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Uh, This is Paula, uh, Recovered Compulsive Arena. You know, we always hear that adage, you know, seeing is believing, but here believing is seeing, you know, what we see. You know, I think there's beautiful illustrations here that, that we're given examples of, and, and we can name more. I mean, I'm sure I, I don't understand the telephone. I don't understand the, 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 the things that go through the air that transmit from one to another. How am I speaking now? And in mass, but yet, even more so, the miracle of a life transformed, and that's what it is. Seeing, does it not say at the back of the book quite clearly, um, Ah, let me, I want to get the exact line. Ah, he finally realizes, just before that line, quite often friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. They're seeing something that, in lives that has been transformed. Well, that isn't Joe, is it? Could that be Joe? It doesn't matter the name. We see the life transformed. They're doing things different. They're acting different. They're seeing different. The hearing different. That is a life transformed. And all the miracles that were before you and all the examples they set, none, none as great as this. Because here God himself working 
and giving to us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Clearly, clearly. But it says here, and I and I just think on that this word that underneath there it is underneath this whole thing. This is what holds it up: the material world and the life as we see it. There is an all-powerful, guiding, creating intelligence. I'm going to leave that right there. For that, I believe. And that has been what is shown in my life and changed a life that I thought could not be changed. And truly, it couldn't be without God and that power that we are talking about at this point. Thank you again for allowing me to share. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on what was read? Beth? This is Anne Marie. Um, did I hear Beth? Yeah, hi. Beth and then Anne Marie, please. Thanks. I just have a, a short little comment. I've been um, just watching some scientific shows, and, and the fact that he talked about uh, the electrons and, and the, the protons swirling around, and it's actually, if you look at electrons and protons swirling around, there's so much more space between them that there actually is more space than matter. And it just, it shows me how much what we see is is just kind of, it's, it's not the truth of things. We have to go so much deeper than the first appearance and look for God in all of the gaps. It's not just, you know, what we do and what we are, but we live so much in the spaces in between and and in the quiet time and, and in the beliefs that are behind because the substance, uh, what's on top is, is not the true reality. What we are is, is what's underneath. And um, it, it's just so amazing. Um, the recovery that we get once we get, get beyond uh, all the, surface um, beliefs and and we can go deeper and get in touch with our God. So thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Beth. Go ahead, Anne-Marie. Thank you. This is Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Oh, there is a lot in this paragraph, but what really jumped out at me um, was in the middle of the paragraph on page 49, um, when, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life, as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. Right there are perverse streak. And I tried to figure out what that was, and I looked it up, and it was unwilling to stop. What I found in the dictionary was unwilling to stop despite obstacles, setting ourselves up for failure, a perverse streak comes to service and we elaborately set out to convince ourselves that it isn't so. And I did have a God of my understanding. The God that I understood um, didn't like me all that much and I could understand why because I had done such horrible things to this body of mine, you know, throwing mounds of sugar into my body and so I could understand why my God, the God that I understood wasn't very loving towards me and that I figured, hey, that's, I could understand that. Um, but what really jumped out at me today was um, we read worldly books and indulging world um, uh, indulging windy arguments, and I don't know how many books I read to prove that 
I could handle this problem of mine, any problem, um, but particularly the compulsive eating problem. I had it down. Despite me continuing to compulsively eat, I had it in black and white that I was able, that I should be able to control this myself and not to rely on a power greater than myself. Because the power that I understood was didn't like me anyway. So I thought I really needed to rely on myself. And so, you know, when it talked about, um, you know, the books, um, we read wordy, wordy books and indulged in wordy arguments. I don't know how many windy arguments I indulged in. I'm just explaining that I was the one that was going to be able to control my life. Um, and that perverse streak, yes, I was certainly unwilling to stop my thought process of I can control this. You know, I was setting myself up for failure, for sure. You know, I had that perverse streak. I was going to be able to control this. Um, God or no God, I was going to be able to do it. And um, so what a what a great paragraph this is. Thanks for letting me to share. Let me share. Thank you, Anne Marie. This is Victoria, recovered compulsive overeater. I'd like to share on this passage. This, this passage speaks to me in so many deep ways. It, it really mirrors back to me how the spiritual malady of this disease blinded me um, and how my own grandiosity blinded me. I was convinced I held this unexamined idea that I should be able to fathom and conceive and understand this vast, infinite, creative intelligence, this God, if it existed and if my small, finite mind could not comprehend, could not fathom that the existence of that, what I call God, then it did not exist. And part of that spiritual malady is referred to in the end of this paragraph. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Well, this was the emotional experience of my disease. I so obliterated the light. I so lived in the darkness that life for me did come to feel it originated out of nothing and that it meant nothing no matter what I did. I felt I fell back in that hole and that it was truly going nowhere, truly going nowhere. Going back to the doctor's opinion, though, Dr. Silkworth made it so clear that once that line is crossed, into the disease, we lose the ability to distinguish the true from the false. And this was certainly true in my ability to distinguish, to accept mystery, to accept that more could exist beneath what I could see. That perverse streak, which I personally identify with so strongly, was what made me hold on to this old idea. If anybody's going to solve the problem of my compulsive eating, it's going to be me. 
and I did not drop those reins, and I ran that show right off the rails. That was where my best thinking, my best reasoning got me. And the other day, I was walking around the lake near where I live, and there was a small tree. It was early in the morning. There was a small tree. Every leaf on this tree had these amazingly luminous, gold, radiant color, and it just stopped me in my tracks. The tree seemed bigger than life itself. It seemed much more than a tree, and it radiated this gold light out. In my using days, I would have missed that tree, and had I seen it, I would have persuaded myself and worked hard to persuade myself. All it was was a tree, and whatever I was, I thought I was seeing, I was not seeing because life meant nothing and went nowhere. That's where my spiritual malady took me. I am so grateful today to have found that power that my life depended on um, by beginning with just the smallest willingness to believe in that possibility. With that, I pass. Would someone else like to share on what was read? This is Nicole. This is Sharon. Nicole, and then Sharon, please. Thank you, Victoria. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Nicole, a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. Well, like everyone else just shared, this paragraph is so rich and so beautiful. It touches me deeply, and I can relate completely. What I recognize from this paragraph is the comparing and contrasting that they are doing for us. I love how in the middle of the paragraph on page 49, they describe the attributes of God as all-powerful, guiding, a creative intelligence. Versus at the end of the paragraph, where for most agnostics or atheists, they would think things originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. You know, when I think about God... And I think about how amazing he is to have created this world. We can't help but look at the results of his creation. We can't help but look at the tree, like Victoria said, or our body. The creative intelligence that is inherent in all of the world actually shouts out that there is a God. I have a background in biology and geology, and I learned all about how this world was not created by God. Somehow, I was duped into believing that out of nothing came everything. And when you really think about it, it is the most difficult thing for someone to really believe. Could we really believe that something came out of nothing? When nothing can do nothing, nothing can proceed nowhere. It would be as if I stumbled across a painting, this beautifully detailed painting, 
and said, well, you know what, this just happened because I don't know. I don't know who the painter was. I can't see the painter. I don't know the mind of the painter. But, yeah, this painting just um, came out of nowhere. We would consider that a really ridiculous um, conclusion because the evidence of there being a painter is the fact that there is actually even a painting right in front of us. And I was one of those people that was completely blinded to this. I really honestly thought that while I could see the the electrons and I learned about the neutrons, yet when it came down to God creating things, there was really a stumbling block there for me. The reason I believe they have this paragraph in here so strongly is because this is a spiritual program. This program is based on a belief in a higher power, a power greater than ourselves that can relieve us of our mental obsession. As I've heard before in this line, a sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. And so we need to be so sure, even if we start at the beginning stages of willingness to believe in this power greater than ourselves, we need to at least start there because we certainly need God's power, God's guidance, and God's creative intelligence to let us live this life that we're meant to live. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nicole. Please go ahead, Sharon. Hi, this is Sharon, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful to be on the line and grateful for all of you on the line with me this morning. The thing that um, really strikes me in these uh, two paragraphs is, first of all, why is Bill giving us this science lesson here uh, in these pages? Uh, He's what I see is he's trying to disconnect us from what we believe because regardless of what we think, we are believers. We believe in certain things. We believe that what we see is what is and what Bill is saying. And so therefore, we, we have a closed mind spiritually. And so what Bill is saying is, wait a minute, let me convince you that what you think you know is not what really is. Why do we need to accept this? Because what we believe is not helping us. My, my beliefs are what are, are creating what I am getting in my life. And what I am getting is is uh when I first began, what I was getting was a life that was unmanageable. I was getting addiction. I was getting obsession. I was getting lack of control. And I was powerless. And so what Bill is trying to say is that there is a better way that if I will let go of my previous beliefs, get in, have an open mind, then, and if I will accept that what I see 
it says here that outward appearances are not inward reality. It also says that uh, does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof. So what I think I know, what I think I see, is not really what is. And uh, someone else already mentioned this. I think it's fascinating that if you keep going, uh, you know, you say you see a person in front of you, but if you keep looking and looking and looking and going further and further, you see that there's more empty space there than there is tangible space. And science also says that whenever you want to touch something that's solid, that it changes into something that's a wave. So what we, we, we really don't know what we think we know. So how do we live? What tethers us to reality so that we can exist day to day? And it's, it's that openness, that willingness to believe that there's something out there greater than who we are. There's something that's holding this all together so that I can let go of my old ideas and be open to a power greater than myself that is holding all of reality together, that's holding all of this empty space together. And just by being open, and, and personally what I have found in working this program over the last years and, and letting go of my old ideas and my old way of thinking, just allowing myself to be open and allow God to direct me daily, one day at a time, one step at a time. What is the next right thing to do? Because I accept that my way of thinking is faulty. My way of being has gotten me into a life of unmanageability. So I recognize that there is a better way. I have evidence of that because I see it in your lives. I see the changes because you've done, you're doing what I'm doing and you're getting results so I know I can get results. If I just let go of my old way of being, if I open myself up, if I am willing to accept a new way of living, and for me, I have to do that one day at a time. Each day, the world of the spirit opens up to me and shows me what to do in this, in this world that I see and so that I can trust one day at a time that what I need will open up to me as I believe. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would someone else like to share on what was read? It's Leah. Yeah, Hi, Leah. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Victoria. Good morning. It's, my name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to just take a look here. It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. And I just wanted to focus on outward appearances. And I just want to say, let's get real. You know, whenever we talk about step two, which is what uh, 
we agnostics addresses came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, the great debate begins about, you know, whether there is a God, how could there be a God, you know, uh, you know, prove to me that there's a God, and, and on and on and on. But the reality is that, uh, you know, yes, we're talking about a power you can't see, a power that you can't really explain. Um, AA does not specialize in improving the existence of God. It will certainly do its best to convince us of our need for God, um, but, you know, it's kind of like compulsively overeating. I mean, you know, compulsively overeating doesn't look like it works, <laughs> right? It doesn't look like it should work. It doesn't look like the contents of a cellophane bag was a solution. It didn't look like it would work. Uh, someone looking at the contents of a cellophane bag wouldn't think that that would transform me or that that would create an experience in me. But the reality was is, was that it did, right? I relied on that contents of the cellophane bag and the bakery boxes to change me. I relied on it to change me so that the world would look good to me. The world actually stayed the same when I binged. It, but that quote-unquote power of the binge foods uh, medicated me enough to change me at that point in time. It's the same thing here. I don't have to understand it. The reality was that I was dying. The reality was that these people who did grab hold of this life preserver called these 12 steps, um, their world and their lives had been transformed. And I was told um, you know, that I would experience God when my resistance stopped, that I didn't have to understand it. I could, um, you know, I could put aside my, my intellect and put aside my uh, ability to reason and to analyze and discriminate because I was dying through my own hand. I was the creator of my own pain. My best thinking was... Uh, pushing me towards the grave. No one was doing that to me, and yet I continued to worship my thinking mind and my ego. But, you know, when the pain got great enough, when the pain got great enough, I did not care if it made any intellectual um, sense to me. I didn't care. Somebody, whoever you are, wherever you are, save me. Because after two decades of mayhem, it was very clear that I could not save myself. So somebody, somebody out there, whoever you are, whoever is listening, whether it makes sense intellectually, whether it doesn't make sense intellectually, please save me. And I didn't have to understand it, but I certainly began to experience it through the 12 steps. Through the action of the steps, God revealed himself to me. And the bottom line is, God is deep down within all of us. It's just that we've obscured it. And the 12 steps takes us on a journey where that will be revealed. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Linda from Connecticut. Linda, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I'm just <clears throat> wanting to chime in here, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to chime in on the last two folks because that's my experience also, especially um, 
the calmness of the first person that comes after much experience with the steps and with God and the passion of the last person because I was dying, dying, splintered, couldn't function, and terrified, and all I had to have was willingness. Of course I was going to have it. What else could I do? It was either that or suicide, and I was too afraid to do it. So uh, terror put me in the right spot, and grace, I found this out later, the gifts of God had carried me my whole life, and I didn't know that. And it wasn't from any text of any religion. It was from my experience, although it might be in a text somewhere. It was through the 12 steps. And it is through the 12 steps, because guess what? I'm 68 years old, and I still don't know how to live in some situations. And there's a potential for self-destruction with food. And boy, I'm listening. I'm obedient. Why? Because I'm goody-goody? No, because I am not going to ignore radar. God is like, so, sort of like radar, but very, very, it's, that's cold, very loving. And uh, my gosh, I have a life second to none, no matter what my problems are. And uh, so I just wanted to chime in and say if it happened for them and it happened for me, it can happen for you. Get in the lifeboat, please. It's the 12 steps. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? All right. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Let's see here. Uh, Judy B., would you please read? Yes, certainly. Good morning. This is Judy B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? And this this paragraph is just uh, letting us know that many of the first hundred people that they talk about in this book uh, first started this program believing that their intelligence was the be-all and end-all of everything. Uh, they were in a mess. They were uh, had, had dug ditches, uh, deep, deep ditches, as many of us had, and were in a a terrible mess, and yet for some of them, they believed that their own intelligence was the last word. And I think slowly, as they um, were in this condition, they and they saw others who were who were being changed and who were were finding a new way of life. Perhaps they began to question if their human intelligence was the very last word the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I think this, this paragraph just reiterates for those uh, people who come into program not having any uh, belief at all that there is this power, that at least they can see that some kind of power is changing people and that perhaps they might be just willing to look at that 
just willing to be um, open, open to other ideas and other beliefs. And then it says uh, these these uh, agnostics and atheists, um, with this belief, they say rather vain of us, wasn't it? And rather vain, being rather prideful, uh, being conceited, uh, being being full of that uh, belief that their own importance was was the uh, the end all and the be all. That that nobody else, nothing else, no other power um, could be stronger than their intelligence. And uh, hopefully, as they began to to look at this program, they began to see that there was another way of thinking. And and all that's necessary we, when we begin this program is to be open-minded and to believe that there may be another way of looking at the world. And perhaps our own human intelligence is not the end. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. Would someone else like to share on this paragraph? If you'd like to share on this paragraph, press star one to unmute. This is Michelle. Yes, Michelle. Go ahead, please. I just wanted to comment, um, this again, Michelle, Recovered Compulsive Reader, on um, instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God ever advancing creation, um, it's referring to um, what the 12 steps guide me um, along the path to do, to be a spearhead, to be an agent of God, um, to be an expression of God's love. And that's how I can play my small small little part advancing creation, being an agent of God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right. Carol P., would you please... Uh, go on with reading the next paragraph. Yes, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Carol P., compulsive overeater recovered. We who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception, whatever. whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carol. Who would like to comment on what was just read? Press star one to unmute your phone. Good morning, it's Deb. Good morning, Deb. Go ahead, please. Hi, my name is Deb. I am a compulsive overeater and recovered. Uh, through God's grace, and I, this paragraph um, 
just absolutely blows me away every every time it's read. And every time I get a chance to read it, and you know, at first it tells me, we who have traveled this dubious path, it is a questionable path, right? Thinking that we have the answers is a questionable path. And you know what? In the big book, there's only two places where they use the word beg, where they beg you or beg of you. And this is one of them. This is one of them. And the other one is in how it works. I mean, that's it. Two times they are begging you, please, please lay aside your old ways of thinking, even against organized religion. If that's what you have, lay it aside. Let it go. Because that is, the, that is part of freeing, is looking at those old ideas, letting go of those old ideas. It doesn't matter what has happened in other places. We have to let go of this so that we can get to the core ourselves. Um, you know, this paragraph speaks to me. And I will tell you, I did believe there was something more powerful out there than myself. I just didn't think it had anything to do with me. It wasn't personal to me. And you know what else? It's not out there. It's in me. And the big book teaches me that too. And all I had to do was look at other people and see, you know, they had a joy in their life that I did not have. And I wanted that. I wanted that. So if I had to lay aside prejudice, and believe me, I had to. I had a lot of prejudice to lay aside against God, against organized religion, you name it, I had it. And I am grateful, grateful today that they begged me to do that and I heard them. So um, with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Deb. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Sharon, would you please read a vision for you? Absolutely. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come, if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit things you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 